Folks, welcome inside the Parisi Palace High above 2919 East Broadway. This is a special edition of the Jake Feinberg Show. Coming to you live on Power Talk. Please go to our website, powertalk.live. Download our free app and stream all of our live local programming, including Solomon on Blast, the Jim Parisi Show, and yours truly, the Jake Feinberg Show. We can't thank you enough for making us part of your day today. And even though my show does revolve around the four L's of leadership, love, life, and the lineage of all musics, it has actually turned into a show about rhythm because I've been able to talk to so many cats, rhythmatists, who uh, were on the bandstand learning experientially, developing their own sounds. And uh, it's been one of the most invigorating things for me. I've actually learned to keep time myself on a modified trap set and uh, <laughs> and again, it it it, it is. Uh, we just continue with the lineage today with legendary drummer. We're going to catch up with him over the weekend, but uh, we finally tracked him down. Michael Carvin, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Hey, thank you, Jake. <laughs> so you you've been keeping a little time. I like that. I like that. Hey, man, I'm telling you, man. I like I, I listen to so much odd metered music and and cats like. Uh, you know, just so much different music that it took me a while to truly and just um, these two older cats who are not professional musicians, but they are really good musicians. Um, they they play a lot of cool uh, blues rock tunes, original stuff, and and at first I couldn't hear where where the drums fit in, where to lock in. It took me; it was all mush for a while. I was playing a lot of melodic stuff, <laughs> and then yeah. and just in the last month, it's been like they've been looking at me and being like. Dude, you're really grooving right now, man. Like it, it, it. <laughs> <laughs> So it, it, it's been that's, that's that's great. That's a good feeling. That's a good feeling. Do you um it's such an honor to connect with you, man. I I I you know, I just wanted to ask by starting when did you first cross paths with Michael Shreve? Michael was uh, in San Francisco. I just moved up to San Francisco, uh, so this had to be 1971. Right in there, wow. I met him. Yeah, and, and, yeah, Michael. I, I, I think Michael was 17, 18, because I remember he and Carlos were hanging out a lot, and they used to hang out. Well, all of us uh, would hang out with around this band called S. Uh-huh. That uh, the trumpet player uh, from uh, Houston, Texas, Luis Gasca, was uh, front in the band. I'd worked with Lou, Luis in Houston when I was about about thirteen or fourteen. A great trumpet player. But Michael, uh, that's when I met him in the Bay Area, and uh, very Michael is a very beautiful and special human being. Can you explain from your point? Of, I think you both are pretty spiritual cats, but uh, could you talk about why you you feel like he is that special a human being? Well, he cares. Mm-hmm. Just that simple. Michael cares, man. Michael cares. Ever since the first time I met him, Michael had uh, Michael always wanted to spread happiness or joy through through the world through his music but, but, but when i met michael michael was almost there the only thing i did was just guided him this way and that way but he knew where he was going so can you talk a little bit that's about, for sure he but he he reached out to when he when you came to town he wanted to mm-hmm. he wanted to 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 learn a to little study bit with me. can you talk yeah. about what kind of things he was 
because it's so fascinating to me. So many of these cats, I don't care if it's John Densmore from The Doors or Shreve mm-hmm. or Jim Keltner. And this goes back. I mean, Keltner was obsessed with Philly Joe. Uh, Densmore mm-hmm. was obsessed with Art Blakey. Shreve loved, yeah. Elv- you know, so they all came up with these jazzers. And so could you talk specifically about yeah. what Michael was wanted to learn from you? Well, he wanted uh, the independence, uh, the Jim Chapin, the four-way Florida nation, where we played four different things at the same time, as you well know, over the drums. But uh, but to read and do it, and the greatest book for that is the Jim Chapin book. Now, keep in mind, Michael wanted to be a jazz drummer. Now, he was just a teenager when I met him. Was he? Was he? He was, just, he was at San Mateo Community College, or so he was playing in a big band or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, but he he wanted to learn how to find himself in the jazz language. You know, like like how to swing. What what is that? What is that language? Or what is that about? And that's why he came to me. But the thing that uh, people have to realize uh, when we are having this type of conversation is that during the 70s, see, drummers, all drummers still studied then. You see, drummers today don't study the instrument like they did. Uh, 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 Michael Shreves and some of those guys are like some of the real true uh, guys that wanted to study the instrument, not to play a gig, not to make money, but to study the instrument. Oh, I dig. You know, be, mm. because today we are dealing with the one-dimensional characters where you hear language such as this, well, I'm just a hard rocker, well, I'm a uh, hip-hopper, well, I'm a jazz, well, I'm a that. When we were coming along in the uh, uh, the early 50s, what people don't realize, in order for me to answer a phone when I was, I, I turned professional, I was 12, and in order for... Uh, me to tell a guy that I could uh, accept the job, I had to know how to play a ballad, a bossa nova, a begin. Well, no, not the bossa nova. That wasn't on the same day. Cha cha cha, a cha cha cha. Yeah, yes. The mambo, the mambo. I got ahead of myself. The cha cha cha, the mambo, because T for two was king then. Mm-hmm. T for one and T for two, but that, 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 that was a big hit. And uh, how to play the rock and roll beat with the uh, the eighth notes, do it. Uh, uh, see, in in order to play, let's twist again, or the uh, uh, the chubby checker thing, you had to really sustain those eighth notes, and you had to play them evenly, you know. And then uh, to be able to play uh, swing beat. So when the guy called you, you could accept the gig because when you came to the gig, he hired a drummer. Okay, he had a musician first that happened to play drums. He didn't hire a one-dimensional guy to show up and say, yeah, man, well, I'm only in the heavy metal. Why, you know, why, you, uh, well, I mean, you had to use brushes. No, you, you, exactly. Well, no, listen, I, I mean, this is exactly why I love talking to cats like you, because you guys were masters of all trades. You also had a deeper bag of songs. I mean, I mean, you knew yes, you knew a lot of songs, but when I, I want yes, you, to, I want you to clarify this statement. It's important because I don't want people to misinterpret this. When you say study, I mean, here's the difference. In 1971, I've interviewed everybody. No, not a, Paul Jackson, Lenny White, Michael Shreve, mm-hmm. and the list goes mm-hmm. on. I mean, so I've, I've, mm-hmm. you're, you're one of the, you know, from that bastion. I mean, you know, the, the idea was this, that 
that Michael was he he looked at studying drums as a a, a day of work. It would be eight hours a day. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And when you exactly. when you say that drummers today don't study, it means that they're not looking to expand their own the different genres. They're just locked into one genre, and therefore they don't need to study. Is that what you're getting at? Yes. 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 Which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous. You know, see, guys. Uh, for instance, when I met Ginger Baker, and when I met um, Charlie Watts, and those guys, they were studying the instrument. They weren't thinking about playing no gigs. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the kids today want to get over. Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's in a hurry. And they don't realize there's nowhere to go, man. You're still on the earth. If you run fast, walk slow, you're still on the earth. <laughs> you, you know, so just settle down and learn something and develop oneself. It's about developing oneself. That's why music is struggling so much now. Because nobody, see, drummers, drummers have to understand they're the only dynamic musicians on the face of the earth. The drummers are the only dynamic person. See, a horn player can swell up and play a note as loud as he wants to, but if a drummer don't play a beat before it, it's just noise. Michael Carvin live on Power Talk here, already waxing poetic. I, I need to, um, I want to be very clear. Did you grow up in the wards with Hubert Laws and the Crusaders? Yes, I'm from Fifth Ward, yes. You... This is so beautiful. This touches my high school. Yes. So you, okay. So, um, because were those cats a little bit older than you, or were they? Yes, yes, they are. Well, see, this is the breakdown. Okay. Go. My father, Henry Carmen Senior, Illinois Jacket, Russell Jacket, Arnett Cobb, Mm. Cedric Haywood, Alex Sample, this Joe Sample, oldest brother that played organ and piano that taught Joe Sample. Okay. Wow. They came through first. The next batch was the Jazz Crusaders and Hubert Laws. Okay? The next group to come through uh, was my generation or my class, and that would be with Eloise. Ronnie came along with my sister because Ronnie's the youngest. You know, so Billy Hoffman and I, we came uh, out of that. That's right. You know. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Can you talk oh, yeah. about that? Because this, I'm. This was way before interconnection. This was way before. I mean, part of it was we had all these regional sounds of music, and I and yes. I when I yes. I did two interviews yes. with, with with Joe, rest in peace, and and he talked about the Gulf Coast sound, and I want to ask yes. Michael Carvin about that Gulf Coast sound. Can you talk about you know in Dugu when I talked to him, it was about the 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 the, the, the enclave. The West Coast sound. Well, but but Indugu was talking about Louisiana and the people that came over from there that had their own Creoles. Oh, yeah. So just if you... Oh, yeah, but yeah. I'm looking for the Michael Carvin definition of that swamp bucket swinging, uh, you know, Gulf Coast sound, if you could break down what was in your ears at that time growing up in Houston. Well, Houston... Uh, uh, it's where the shuffle came from. The batter ain't no tie to the 16th. Really? The shuffle beat, da 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 That's from Texas. See, so when you play the shuffle with a backbeat or a double backbeat, this is what I grew up playing, you know, with that tenor sound, uh, uh, the 
the, the Houston, Texas created a great tenor sound. That's what they would always say about the Texas tenors. So we came out of marching bands, right? Right. That's why the Crusaders had that open sound. So the thing that we learned about playing in a marching band is that you had to learn how to project your sound. And we're not talking volume. We're talking projection, which is a difference. Clarity, right? So in Texas, everybody had a strong sound. So they could play slower notes. You see, if you don't have long tones, that's what the kids don't practice today, the horn players, they don't work work with those long tones. If you don't have long tones, then you have to play a lot of notes. But that's why when you listen to the Crusaders, they'll say, ba di da 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 that sounds more like an anthem. Those are long sounds, man. So, so you have to have uh, uh, the umbershire together to create that that type of sound, you know. Or they'll say, da 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 you know, the young rabbit, you know. All, uh, all the keyboards here. Dang, chicken, dang, chicken, dang, chicken, dang, chicken, dang, chicken, dang. But they play. So if you take the tempo out, then it's it's more like having a conversation. How much? Because they're spreading the sound over the This is so. I mean, can you explain? Why it's so interesting because I talked to you know like Ken Heat's bass player Larry Taylor, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about it's it's almost in today's world the 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 simple stuff, the simple <laughs> the, the simplest stuff. It, uh, Steve Gadd said it. He goes, "Simple is not as simple as it looks," but yet it seems to me like that is what the the, the younger cats today refuse to go deeper with. It's the simple blues it's the long tones it's knowing how to play every song in every key i mean can you <laughs> i could be wrong i mean i i really want you can no you... you're not wrong you know you're not wrong <laughs> yeah well after 700 <laughs> interviews i know i have to i just why, why, can you is it is it the idea are we going back to this idea of the frenetic pace of society as to why kids just won't sit down and marinate in the long tones? Can you account for it in any way? How did we get to this point where, I mean, disco played a role, music sped up, the drum machine came in, all of a sudden cats started to emulate a machine as opposed to Max Roach or Kenny Clark or Michael Carvin, whoever. So, but why, why this, why is it so hard to just be accessible to the simplicity of the music for in today with today's cats? Discipline. They have no discipline. See, it takes a lot of discipline to even want something. When I was a kid, I always wanted to be something. I always wanted to develop something. You know, it's discipline. I believe in discipline. I love discipline. Now, simplicity is the key to the world. Everything is simple. That's why mathematics is so important. Because you always have the common denominator. Every day of my life, all I try to find is the common denominator, whatever I'm trying to achieve that day. What is that common denominator? So in order to master uh, uh, simplicity, 
you have to really have discipline because the more you know, just like I tell my students, I say, look, uh, I don't teach beginners. You have to be 21 and at least made a record. And the first thing I tell them in their first lesson, look, stop paying attention to what you are playing. Pay attention to what you are doing. Mm. Pay attention to what you are doing doing because if you really master what you're doing you will not be playing that same way in six months you'll be better it's not about what you're playing it's about what you're doing I, this, you know so yeah go ahead continue so uh the young people today there are several things i love the uh, uh the internet and and uh, for one reason, because it has helped us in science and and uh, medicine, and also we can correspond around the world with all type of people, and we can learn so much stuff on the uh, the internet. But it's also dangerous because you can spend a lot of time doing it, so you're not exercising the body. A strong body creates a strong mind. So once we took his head out of the schools, once we took music out of the schools, we took the discipline from the arts. So the only kids that are going to excel today are those that are lucky enough to set with a cornerstone in whatever music they uh, are seeking. And to really understand, it's very simple. See, everything is simple. Like I tell my students, if you don't know something, act like it. Act like it. So in order to act like you don't know something, all you have to do is surrender to the knowledge and let it absorb you. It's just that simple. Uh, If you don't know something, act like it. It's just that simple. No, I mean, let me me ask you something. The the idea is this, that with like going back to Shreve for for a minute, Michael, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Michael, the could afford in some ways, he didn't have a huge amount of anxiety as far as gigs. You talk about gigs. Okay. Because you know, yeah. what? if you, if you went into East Palo Alto, Michael Shreve was, was, was playing behind people at the Nairobi lounge. The amount of mm-hmm. live opportunities to play has shrunk. So to me, it's like the venues have shrunk. The, I mean, you could go in, you know, this when you played with Freddie Hubbard, of course. You could play for two weeks at a time, and the same cats were of coming course. in. So those, but those those gigs are not available today, Michael. They're the key- or even a month. We used to work with Jack McLean. We would do two months at the five spot opposite Charles Mingus. So what or what we're speaking about now is bands can't develop. And, and you can't, and you can't, the reason there's anxiety about stop worrying about what you play or what you just said, um, mm-hmm. you know, pay it's attention. not what you play, it's what you're doing. What you're doing, right. It, part of it is they're already distracted because they don't even know how they're going to sing for their supper. I mean, the, the truth is that you, you got, there was a built-in touring system that allowed you to be, oh, a, yeah. to be a, a serious disciplined oh, student. Yeah. And then get oh, on the yeah. bandstand and have McLean yell, you know, backbeat or Hubbard, you oh, know, yeah. you know, yeah. so, so you have to take into account with the younger cats. They don't have the opportunities to get loose on the bandstand like they once did. That's a major problem. It's a supply and demand issue. Well, uh, that's a situation. Uh I don't believe in problems. That's the situation. <laughs> okay, right on. <laughs> no, 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 it really is. <laughs> I dig, no I dig. Thing. 
as a problem. Mm -hmm. That's the situation. Okay, now, that's true, but they are garages. Mm -hmm. Okay, they are are, uh, dens, they are backyards. We can get it if we want it. We can do it if we want it. Where there's a will, there's a way. And if we get to it, and enough of us get to it, the venues will open because I've never met a man that say, "Oh no, I keep my seat. I don't." They took their stuff. Yeah, yeah. man. You, 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 that's why I, or we changed changed the language, Jake, from problem to situation. You see, I would go to a guy in the summertime, and and he would uh, he would just have a place a little what they used to call beer joints. I would say, Mister, I have a band. I want to bring my band in here and play. And he would laugh at me. He would say, Really? You have a band? I said, Yeah. <laughs> he say, What's the na- name of your band? I say, The Michael Carvin Band. He say, Okay, Mister Carvin Band, bring your band over here and let me hear. And we would go over there and mess up everything. And he would say, Okay, fine. Then come over here and play for us because we were kids, so people supported us, man. They supported us, man. We, the garage was my first studio, man. You know, and 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 my partners are. I'll come over. Hey, man, all of us are gonna meet up at Jake's house because his parents uh, uh, haven't thrown him uh, him out yet because we can't go to Johnny's house anymore because the neighbors next door don't want to hear it. You know, so we gonna go to Jake's house and then then next week we could that well where there's a will there's a way, man. So. If enough kids buy into this type of concept, I guarantee you there'll be a 30-year-old somewhere or a 40-year-old somewhere, a 22-year-old somewhere to say, I'll manage you. Okay, but I'm going to... No, again, we're dealing with a, a brilliant individual who's able to articulate himself verbally and actually can express himself in a different language on the drum kit and Michael Carvin. But, okay, here's the other part. Uh, Duke Ellington, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Freddie Hubbard, Woody Shaw, Art Blakey. Mm-hmm. Okay, those guys were mentors and talent scouts. Meaning that one guy oh, would yes. okay, one guy would follow. Uh, uh, oh yes, Lenny White would play with McLean. Then Michael Carvin. Oh yes. Okay, that. Oh, so, yes. so the, the the lineage. How do you account for this? Yes. So so as as a, I mean in theory. In, in my own little hermetically sealed bubble, Michael Carvin would be somebody who would be now developing younger cats, not necessarily in the lesson format, yes. but actually on the road gigging with people. Oh, yes. But that's oh, also, yes. that also has been stifled as well. So it's more than... Oh, yes. So how do you how, talk about that issue? I mean, how, aside from just doing it, saying if you want it bad enough, just do it. I, I dig that. Going to the beer joints. Yeah. But if you don't have... Yeah. If you don't have... The, the cats, the mentors that were part of the lineage, then you get farther and farther away from the source point, and you don't. That's correct. So how do you deal with that? It's not again. You, it's a situation. It's not a problem. That's right. Well, well, you see, that is a situation that we need to pay closer attention to because guys are disappearing that have that knowledge that could really uh, set up the next generation. That's why everybody in my band is 30 and 40 years my junior. Hmm. That's why. That's why we just did the record, Michael Carvin, Flash Forward. 
and the record company said, well, why do you want to call it Flash Forward? And I said, because just imagine where these kids are going to be 20 years from now. Hear them 20 years from now. And that's why I call it the Michael Carvin Experience, Flash, Flash Forward. Don't listen to Michael Carvin. Listen to these kids in this band and hear them right now, 20 years from now. So guys have to take that responsibility. Now, as far as work, today, yes, everything's been cut off. Yes, all the clubs are closed. Yes, all of that. Yes. So we have to, we meaning band leaders, Michael Carvin and, and, and all the rest of us, we have to get out here and create another space. So the space that, that guys are going to have to move into now is go back to the colleges. Really? This See, is... that's the door that Dave Brubeck opened. <laughs> go deeper with no, this. No, no. I dig. I huh? dig. I, I'm digging it. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, man. See, we need to start playing the colleges. Forget about the saloons. Once again, once again, the college has the funds. We have to start playing museums, uh, uh, colleges, places that are funded, foundations, places that are funded, you know. I'm getting ready to do something with the Newark Symphony Orchestra, places that are funded so the young people can hear. Now, once we start creating enough energy in that direction, once again, there's nobody in the, uh, in the world say, no, I don't want to make any money. I'll keep my seat. You see, a club will open tomorrow once people know they can make some money. But what killed us, now this is what killed us, Jake. This is what killed us, is when the guys started doing solo gigs. Right. Just like they, uh, they just asked me in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They said, oh, Mr. Carlton, we would love for you to come here to our concert in June. I was speaking uh, to them in January, and I told them the budget, and they said, well, we don't really have that budget, but we have some great local guys, and they really know you. Why won't we bring you out and you play with the local guys? I say, I can't do that. For one reason, I would disappoint the audience, I would disappoint myself, and I would disappoint the local players. And what I mean by that is this. Yes, they are great and all of that, but they won't have the feeling for the music. Yes, I can mail the, uh, the charts out ahead. Yes, I can send the CD. Yes, I can send a DVD. Yes, I can do all of that. Yes, yes, yes. But the people that are paying to come to hear Michael Carvin, that keep the lights on in this country and grow the food in this country, they deserve my best because we demand their best. So, therefore, I'm not coming. Wow, that is a lot to digest. I, I, I mean, do you feel, without mentioning names, that enough of the luminaries that are still kicking it around are, are upholding that? Part, their part, doing their part to pass it along, or are they, or are they more interested in saying, "Well, um, you don't even need the local guys. I'll just play solo, or uh, I won't even bring my band." I mean, do you feel like enough of your peers are truly carrying that torch the way you just broke it down with this Albuquerque gig and and doing it on principle? No. Thank you. Thank no. you, thank you. I want to. Okay, so let's go back to the Gulf Coast sound. Please, to CJ. Yeah, Jay, go that's ahead. what killed the bands. 
explain this is what killed the bands the, are you saying that that people got too big and the, and this and the ego killed the no, band? no 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 ain't ain't nobody too big this is what killed the bands what killed the bands is guys stop traveling with the guys start saying okay you you got my envelope <laughs> i'm on my way <laughs> And that's what killed the bands because we didn't sacrifice few to save many. So how do you, you don't need to be, your consciousness is wide open and your ears are still growing, but what is your message to your peers? Wake the F up. I mean, how, what, like stop with the, because I keep seeing these, I'm not going to mention names, but I'll just. No, see, no, 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 that's not necessary. No, it's not. It's just, I see. I see uh, double acoustic piano gigs with two luminary cats. I, 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 I don't see, I, I, I really don't see that cohesive. I, I guess all, it's funny because I've talked to a lot of the cats who came out of the, the summer of love in 67 in San Francisco, all those drummers, Gregory, mm-hmm. go from Sly, mm-hmm. Dave Getz, yeah, 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 all yeah, those yeah, cats, yeah, right? Yeah. And they, to, yeah. a, to a man, I mean, I don't want to put it, but I mean, specifically, I transcribed Dave Getz, who was with Big Brother Janice Joplin, and he said, you know, Ooh, yes. he Ooh, said, I love Janice. Yeah, yeah, you know, and Bobby Hall's on the playing percussion on that. But the point is that, yeah, you know, he said, Jake, you know, sometimes I get really depressed because, you know, our whole the whole idea behind that summer of love was about expanding consciousness. And maybe we expanded our consciousness. But look at where we are today. Have we really passed the torch? Have we really built that bridge? Have we really created that lineage? You know, I think no. it's something that really needs to be looked at where so many of your peers, and I applaud you for this Albuquerque story. It's a very inspiring story. And I think it's one that other people, I'm not saying you're alone, but not enough. Of course not. Of not course enough not. peeps from your generation are understand that while they might have had a consciousness expansion, during their early careers and careers, mm-hmm. what's where, mm-hmm. where, where, where has it left us today? You know, I mean, are yes. they are they going to hide? Yes. Are they going to hide from the reality of it, or are they actually going to do something about it? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you you know, to, yeah. see, we were we were very lucky kids, uh, Janice and Jimmy Hendrix and 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 all of us, all of us kids. We we. We were very lucky, man. We were very lucky because everything was right there for us. Everything. On the top. It was right there. We had it. It was right there. It was right there. Duke Ellington, uh, Tommy Darcy, Gene Cooper. It was all right there. That's what I tell, like I tell my students. I say, look, when you come to study with me, it's not about you. It's about my ego and my dream. And my ego and my dream is that before I die, I want to leave as many great drummers on the face of this earth as possible. Why? Because if we don't have great drummers, we don't have great music. Because I had the luxury of growing up around great drummers, Krupa, Buddy, Max, Papa Joe, Cozy Cole. These are great drummers. I was walking the planet when they were here playing. I know what greatness is. I don't need to read it in no book. I don't need to see it on no television. I know what it is. And it's so important 
today that we have great drummers is, is, is very important because if we don't have great drummers, we're not going to have great music. And that's why I tell my students, don't come to me if you don't want to win. If you don't want to win, don't come to me. <laughs> this is not that kind of party, man. Don't come to me. I don't need your money. I don't need you to like me. I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I'm trying to leave great drummers on the face of this earth. Now, okay, so so again, uh, I, this is uh, we're getting a huge pep talk here on the Jake Feinberg show from Michael Carvin. It's so invigorating. What is a great in your mind? I think we already went through it, but again, let's flesh it out. Uh, mm -hmm. We're not talking about a technical monster, monster chops, no, sir. bashing all over no. the place. No. What is? No, no. Give me the definition of a great drummer that can can, can continue to increase the, the vocabulary of music. One who show up. And play a beat to make people pat their feet. Yeah. Would you say is is, is 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 there something? I mean, again, it's all Ramsey Lewis. When I talked to him, he said, uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, one of the issues that happened with jazz. This is I was born in '78, but he said, you know, in the early, mm -hmm. you know, with fusion, it got so complex that people, blue collar cats, stopped being able to tap their feet to it. So there, you still there? Yeah, 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 no, no, I was just agreeing with yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. No, so, 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 yeah. so, but you know, people feel like, well, I need to show how technically proficient I am, and that proves what a master I am. But in fact, these cats, these younger cats, they can't play a shuffle. <laughs> you know, they can't really play a shuffle. Yeah, well, 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 it's like I tell guys, um, a great journalist doesn't walk around reciting the twenty-six characters. <laughs> A great journalist. So yeah. a, great, a great drummer yeah. set up and played the 26 rudiments all night. That's not going to uh, um, uh, make your feet move. You just had to. See, the, see, knowledge is not to use. Like I tell my students, knowledge is not to use, it's just to have. Say that one more time. Knowledge is not to use, it's just to have. I dig. See, to see, knowledge only uh, keep us out of trouble, but our common sense and our uh, uh, natural rhythm and accent and odor and, 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 and love, this is what people buy, you know, but the knowledge keeps you out of trouble because without that, you can't function. You can't get where you're going if the sign says stop and you drove through it. You'll kill somebody. They'll kill you. So now you can't get to your natural thing because you couldn't read the stop sign.
folks welcome back inside the parisi palace and uh that was a bit embarrassing for me to be playing jack dejanet but that was just we were just listening to michael carvin grooving there as part of the pharaoh sanders band uh, the gathering 1973 um yeah i mean I, I, this is really kind of what i'm getting at michael i mean there's we didn't hear pharaoh play there but you had, you had vocals chanting um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to go back to the church in the Gulf Coast sound because one thing <laughs> that's we, right. One thing we didn't talk about. I wanted you to talk about any t any opportunity you had when you were a boy growing up to go into a sanctified church, because the sanctified churches. You know, I've interviewed Jabo Starks and Clyde Stubblefield. Those cats, mm -hmm. they didn't have a traditional trap set. It was you know tambourines. It was shakers, clapping hands. You know, maybe you'd have a maybe you'd have a cymbal or something. But that's where the mm -hmm. that's where the rhythms that's the gospel rhythms helped drive that Gulf Coast sound, and to me, yeah, you were right. I just want you to talk about that that component of it, how steeped you were in the the opportunities to see the music of the sanctified church. Well, I never went in the sanctified church because my parents we were Methodists. We belonged to Salon Methodist Church. And we didn't have drums in the church. We had a choir mm -hmm. and uh, the piano. But I used to pass by in Fifth Ward on Lowndes Avenue. They had a Baptist church. And I used to walk by it sometime, and I would stand outside and, and listen. But you see, all of this, all of this is coming from the shuffle. It's all coming from the shuffle. Now, the shuffle rhythm came from the ball and chain. Mm. That's why they call it shuffle. So the, the ball and chain was on the slave's left leg, so he would drag it and, and stomp the right. So it would be like, boom, doom, 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 doom. So when you hear don't, 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 don't. Don't, 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 my baby left me this morning. Don't, 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 don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't know what to do. Don't, don't. Yeah, but see, that's what that came from there. So I used to be in the club matinee that was on Lowndes Avenue as well. And and the guy that uh, my uncle owned, owned the deluxe theater across the street from the Lounge Avenue, and, and I was really into uh, westerns. I like Arthur Mercy and Randolph Scott and, and all of those guys. So I would sit in the theater all day on Saturdays and, and, Saturdays and watch westerns, uh, Black Barton, Lash Rue, and all of those cats. I'm really into westerns, man. And... For lunch, we would come across the street to the club matinee. This was a huge nightclub in Houston. And my uncle would let me listen to the sound check, and Fast Domino was sound checking. And Fast Domino impressed me a lot because he said, I'm going to be a real someday. I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to be a real gone cat. Just you wait and see. But that rhythm, bang, 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 b
I was like, wow, man. <laughs> and every time after I heard that, I would go home and I would play on drums, try to play his rhythm of his lyrics. You know, because Fats would have diamond rings and he'd be sharp and he had a big head. You, well, when you're a kid, everybody's big, but Fats Domino had a big head. And I would look at him and he would fascinate me because his head was so big. But his voice was like a child's. I'm walking to New Orleans, the ding, ding, ding. And all his songs had that dinky, dinky. That's why when I heard... Come with the fog, dinky ding, a dinky ding, the dinky ding, dinky ding, the dinky ding. One day I find it, my rainbow connection, a dinky ding, dinky dinky ding. In fact, I walked into a new Orleans, dinky dinky. It's something about that type of bounce in a person's body that creates a certain feeling and other people's heart. It, it's really something about that. And that's that New Orleans. My mother was from Baton Rouge. My father was from Houston. So that's that New Orleans gumbo kind of uh, hickory grill uh, <laughs> uh, baby back ribs in the backyard. So it's the cross of that. No, no, it, it, it's really the food. It's the food. It's the food. And, and it's how it's prepared and it's, and, and, and it's how you sit down and have it but um that that uh the texas what i loved about growing up in texas in the late 40s and the early 50s was the love that it was so much love so it was so much music you know uh my uncle was don roby that owned jesse delvin and bobby blue blue bland and uh well he did all about his first records and bb king he had sam cook when he was singing gospel with um, um, uh, Lou Rawls and uh, Isaac Hayes singing background. Sure. And my father was the, the studio drummer. And I would go by there and watch them make records. And uh, I remember Bobby Blue playing, they, he said, ding, dun, dun, da, da, dun, da, king, ding, da, 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 it's a cold wind, the tune, 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 that blows no good. I was like, wow, man, that's bebop. That's bebop. I was like, because, see, I couldn't hear a bird. I couldn't hear that because it was moving too fast, and it didn't touch me because it didn't, it, 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 it didn't have earth connected to it. And I had never gone, I, I, I hadn't seen New York then, and I didn't realize that New York was cemented still, and there's no vegetation, so therefore there's no oxygen. So you have to move fast so you uh, uh, suffocate. But uh, to grow up in Texas in the big sky, and you're laying there, as a kid, I was lay, I would lay in the yard at night, the big sky, and I would just dream about what was around the world. And I would tell my parents, I said, one day I'm going to go around the world, and I want to know what is happening around the world. So when I would hear about the blue bland thing that felt this a cold wind, that blows no good. And, and I would say, wow, man, just the sound of this voice and it's how his voice would ride 
the rhythm like a wind blowing across the Texas plain, man. I mean, it was like, I could just, if it, 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 like the music is it, it's, it's understanding the space of the beats, letting it breathe, man. Bird didn't let the music breathe, so in order for me to listen to him, I would kill myself because I couldn't take a breath, and that's why I never listened to him. Did you ever... Um... Did you ever find your niche in bebop, or was it always too frenetic? I'm not a bebop drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the did. guy who who described me perfectly was uh, Joe Chambers. What did he say? <laughs> I've interviewed Joe. Yeah, go ahead. I moved to New York uh, with Freddie Hubbard's band. I joined Freddie Hubbard in 1973, and we came. He flew me from L.A., and I met them on the bandstand at the Village Vanguard. I love it. No rehearsal, and I knew the book. And uh, I followed Lenny in the band with that Red Clay book. Uh, they were doing the Red Clay and, and Intrepid Fox and oh, all I of that. I love that stuff. <laughs> you, just, you knew, the, you, knew you, you had a deep bag of Hubbard. Go ahead, continue. And... Uh, opening night, uh, everybody was there, but I had met Lenny with uh, Michael because Lenny and Michael were tight. And I met Lenny. Lenny wanted to study with me at the same time, but he was living in New York. I met both of those kids in San Francisco. Both of them came by my house, Lenny and Michael. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, we we had to, so they were all there. So Joe Chambers told me, I mean, I didn't know he was Joe Chambers afterwards. He said, hey, man, he said, where are you from? I said, Texas. He said, yeah. He said, well, I'm hip to you. You playing a jazz top with a rock and roll bottom. I said, don't tell nobody. <laughs> and that's the way I play jazz right now. I play a jazz top with a rock and roll bottom because jazz drummers never had a foot. That's what Dizzy dug about me. That's what Freddie dug about me. And I knew Freddie was going to hire me because he had no choice because I did my homework on Freddie because Freddie came out of Art Blakey and Art Blakey had a foot and jazz drummers don't have a foot because they don't understand. They have great hands. Jazz drummers have fantastic hands, but they have a thin sound. They don't have a round sound. You're they get, have a thin this sound. this is exactly the where this is the this is where I have been marinating. Now, okay, listen, I need you to talk about this. You, you you're telling because what I hear now, <clears throat> the rock bottom, what I hear when I go to hear music now, there is so much emphasis on the bass drum to keep time. But I don't see you, I mean, when I see you with Henry Franklin and Hamp Hawes, you're playing, you're playing, listen, Henry was one of my, I think he was my fifth interview and, and I've been to his house three times and I love them to see hey, you. Frank. <laughs> you know, and it's, I mean, but you're, but you're playing the top of the kit. You're dancing on the cymbals. You were not just banging the bass drum, which is all I hear. Oh, now. no, sir. So, so talk about how you make it round. How do you make it round? Okay. It goes back to Jim Chapin. Now you see the Chapin book in, in the, uh, 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 the last part of the Jim Chapin book, the bass drum is written. Okay. Now, I was a uh, rudimental drummer. Well, I am a rudimental drummer. I'm a rudimental whiz. So I love John Philip Sousa, okay? Mm-hmm. So John, uh, John Philip said, You talking about Bebop, Jake? Check out John Philip Sousa, Stars and Stripes. 
so we planned. So the bass is boom, 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 boom. So when I started. Uh, uh, studying out of Jim Chapin. That's the book that taught me how to play jazz and so-called bebop. And Chapin and I were good friends later on in life. I always heard John Philip Sousa because uh, his music did what, Jake? His music moved thousands of people down the street. When you play John Philip Sousa music, little children run out of their houses to, to see the band. So growing up in a marching band, being the drum captain, dealing with a 100-piece band, 10 across and 10 deep, the drum captain, I played the bass drum, so I was anchoring the groove of the drum cadence that the other guys were playing with their hand. So playing bass drum for about a year and a half, it taught me how important the accent in the bass drum is. See, see to play boom, 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 that's not a rhythm. Right. That's noise. Right. But to syncopate it, to syncopate it, like, like uh, for instance, when I joined Dizzy's band, uh, Saltinas, the way I heard it, of course, was to play in unison. Da 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 I played what I heard Max Rose play with Dizzy <laughs> on the record. So Dizzy told me, he said, Connie, he said, Michael, look, I, you, 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 you know, that's, that's, that's not it. And I said, okay, Dizzy, uh, what you want? He said, now this is what Kluke played, Kenny Clark. Mm -hmm. He played this. That's what he played. So Dizzy taught me that, and I was like, wow. So I'm playing everywhere you're not playing. Dizzy said, yeah, that's the drum part to play the cracks. I said, okay. So the bass drum, you have to let it speak. The bass drum is the, like I teach my children, I mean my students rather. The bass drum is the father. The snare drum is the mother. The children is lightning thunder and sunshine. The tom-toms are interference. So you, whatever you do, don't piss your daddy off <laughs> because it'll make your mother mad. Well, yeah, it's a, you are, Michael, I got to tell you, listen, is, can we, I have like, you have just blown me away today. And is there a way we can, can we do set two sometime this week? Is that possible? Can we do a set two? Not this week because I'm producing a record on on Saturday and Sunday, and uh, I have to start okay. preparing for that. Let, yeah. no, so but we're going to definitely do a set two. Uh, what, 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 Jake, I like, you see, you see we, Jake, Jake, we need you. You are very important to the future of great music. Listen to what I said. Great music. I'm not talking about jazz or this. I'm talking about great music because you care about drummers. And if drummers are not allowed 
to speak about the dynamics of the instrument and how important it is to study, we are going to lose this great music, man. I'm telling you, man. I, I Listen, I, I, I like I told you, I'm 38 years old. I've done this show for six years. I started with Joe Chambers and those cats. Uh-huh. They, helped me, they helped me find my voice, and it turns out that the most accessible cats and the cats that are the most important to the lineage of great music are the drummers. And I feel completely oh, yes, I feel completely blessed to be on this mission because you know what? It is the truth, Michael. So I will get you a copy of this and we are gonna do set two as soon as possible. Much love to you, man. I really you were dropping serious knowledge today, man. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for your kindness. And thank you again, Jake, for even considering me in the first place. Well and I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, dude. So uh yeah, I'm going to be transcribing a lot of this stuff later, and uh, it's definitely going to make my, going to be making a lot of people smile, man. So, uh, but be in touch. Oh, we'll, we'll be in touch, man. Much love to you, man. Thank you. All right, later on. Okay, all the best. You too. Bless you. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that's a wrap with Michael Carvin. Uh, just set one here, uh, and uh, it was such an enlightening, invigorating conversation. And we're going to have another one coming up live from. Queensland, Australia, Jose McLaughlin coming up right after the break. In the meantime, we're going to be joining Jim Parisi in progress. Stopped helping Border Patrol agents due to the, quote, political climate surrounding immigration. We had an escapee prior felon awaiting more charges.